0: Welcome to Life and Leadership. I believe in creating community, connections, and creating space to be curious. This podcast aims to take you on a conscious journey through quality, diverse, innovative content and conversation. My hope is that we create a circle of influence, a transcendency of compassionate leadership in the world and wider universe. Welcome. To the podcast Life and Leadership Conscious Journey, my name is Michelle St. Jane, I'm your host. Today's guest is Wendy Kendall. Wendy is all about empowering global talent, developing healthier mindsets and relationships. Wendy has been a blessing on my journey. I've had four distinct careers and many geographical transfers. So I appreciate people like Wendy Kendall who do global talent mobility and executive coaching. Let me explain. Wendy did an assessment for me in 2015 that helped me course-correct my inner compass. Professionally, I started out brokering to the Fortune 500, facing risks for directors and officers, property and casualty. Then I argued my way into law school, literally in four hours, with three weeks to get to the other side of the world. After my law degree, which was a good choice for me because my strengths are mostly present in comparative law and cross-jurisdiction projects, So I thrive in global business. Until the turn of this century, then I experienced that being very successful and dissatisfied. There'll be an episode coming up on this. But for me, the next best step was not upward mobility, but to start a move from the corporate world to the fourth sector. So I started a social enterprise law firm in 2003. The leadership transition, I'm proud to say, has moved to the next generation of legal eagles who are all about access to justice. It's been an amazing experience. So, 2020 created challenges, but within them were pearls of opportunities. This December, I've transitioned to being a podcast host. Why? Because I wish to create innovative content and be a unique destination for learning about leadership, conscious stewardship, and legacy. Okay, so Wendy's influence came around stratospheric thinking for me when she did an assessment And I did this U-turn on finalizing my doctorate in 2015, and it basically did a restart on the last lap. The blessing was that my research could offer more of a rich contribution to the world's knowledge base. Wendy and I'll touch on this a bit further along in the episode. So, Wendy Kendall, a glorious combination of expertise woven into global talent mobility, executive coaching, mentoring, training, and psychology. Wendy's purpose in life is to help people to be free, to be their most alive and authentic selves. Whoa. So I like the fact that she's all about trust, impact and expansion. And Wendy's journey has been interesting. She started off as a military psychologist and moved to global talent. So Wendy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please?
1: Thanks very much. That was, a, that was like a really illustrious introduction there, Michelle. <laughs> I'm really grateful for that. Um oh a little bit about myself gosh where to start yeah i mean i'm a psychologist by profession as you've mentioned um a few times and um indeed first 7 years of that career were working um for the british armed forces and um really helping um people in those very high demanding jobs to cope with highly disruptive transitions and i You know, working for the military when you're, I consider myself a humanist as well. And, um, I, I, it it really taught me something important, which is that, you know, that we have such responsibility as democratic, as democratic countries, we really, all of us have a responsibility to think about how valuable the lives of our armed forces are. And so the last thing I would ever want is for any country to go to war but the last thing I would want is for people within those armed forces to be sent to war in a way that was unprepared and more likely to get them killed. So so it was an interesting organisation to work with. And it, it really kind of challenged my thinking in a lot of ways. Nevertheless, after seven years, there wasn't um, much kind of career development left for me within that organisation. And we took the opportunity as a family to move overseas. And I jumped into being an entrepreneur, setting up my own business in all, of the, um, in all of the naivety. And I just said to myself, well, how hard can it be? And I got on with it and I made all the mistakes. <laughs> and nevertheless, it was a voyage of discovery. And somehow, through a series of kind of uh, coincidences and serendipity, I ended up working with these big international companies um, who were sending people around the world And I got really fascinated about how moving people around the world is one of the few things that companies do that asks people to completely fracture their personal and professional life. And that I think is where some of the parallels started to happen with the military, you know, the military put that kind of demand on people. And so do these global careers in these big companies. I also believe that global companies should be a force for good. And I think you and I have had some conversations around that. And so, again, I'm interested in how we can position people and how to support people so that they are the best they can be in order to do the best that they can within those companies. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm up to. So, you know, I run um, a consultancy that... Um, we talk about you know global job moves that build people and don't break them uh, because a little bit the tendency has been to put people in at the deep end and this idea that and i don't know that anyone ever articulates it like this but it's a little bit like well the really good ones will will shine and come to the surface and you know maybe the ones who drown weren't so good after all that seems very wasteful in terms of human talent and capability to me so my argument is let's not let's not try and drown people (laughs) in their jobs (laughs) let's give them the the support they need to do this
0: oh that's fabulous so how do you go about giving them the support or the tools and what are the programs and assessments that you like to use Wendy
1: yeah so uh, I did about 10 years of research um You know, I I ran some kind of research studies and reported my findings in conferences. And um, um, yeah, so what I looked at, first of all, was, you know, really, really what's the research question we were trying to figure out? And the research question is, how can we help people and companies thrive together through global job moves? Once we had that research um, question in place, and I realized what we were developing was a Thinking about some of your other guests was really a generative model of uh, global transitions. In other words, it's a it's a model that promotes flourishing, and it's a model that promotes growth and value creation rather than value extraction. And so, what does that look like on the ground? Um, we work through a series of six stages, and I represent them as six concentric circles because they all relate to one another. And that starts with the centerpiece is really building people's resilience. Now, resilience itself covers so many different aspects, but essentially it's around um, psychological and emotional flexibility. One of the things that seems to happen when people, in order for people to become very successful, and um, it almost becomes a bit of a paradox of leadership, to become successful They become really good at doing things in a particular way, typically. And at a human level, what can happen is that those leaders become quite fixed in how they do things. And when I I speak with them about thinking, you know, becoming a bit more flexible in their style, because when you move overseas and you're, you know, encountering a range of situations, then that flexibility is what offers you some of the resilience um but when i when i speak with them about that the most common reaction is well if i don't do it that way i won't be me anymore how am i going to like who am i going to be if i can't be that and that in itself is an existential threat like that's something speaking from inside about a perceived threat to themselves um so that's something that we end up working through you know what what does it mean if i change my way of being in this world in order to cope with something that's radically different and you know helping them to feel confident that they will still exist as a person if they do that and then we start to look at what are the range of strengths and capabilities that they have and what I usually find is again because because of this inflexibility people typically rely on two or three major strengths that they have and it's a little bit like the muscles that you use most at the gym and what we want is for a more integrated body as a leader <laughs> and a more integrated you know and, and, and um, broader <laughs> series of capabilities and strengths so we look at what are all the other strengths that you have and how could you use those and then we start to build out that flexibility so that it's a, a flexibility in how they use their strengths. So that's very much at the individual level. And then we start looking at the interpersonal. So, um, you know, what is the unique value they're proposing to create in this role? And how can they reestablish their, their reputation and become reconnected and, un, you know, reestablish within that new community? And then the final phase is moving from creating value locally in their job to stepping back into the bigger picture and saying well how would you transform that into something of more global value for the rest of the company for you know other people outside of the company maybe and that's how it becomes more of a generative model all the way from the individual right up to the the big kind of geo um geo system <laughs> i don't know I don't know how to describe it at the global level so that was a very uh in-depth <laughs> description there
0: thanks Wendy. um do you also do assessments like um I, I had well I'll speak to the one I did with you. I did the Hogan lead assessment with you, and um it was a great evaluation of some of my high risk areas and uh I was a bit shocked to see I had some in the high nineties and a hundred um for example, the profile showed me as being a stratospheric thinker, so yes, I am out there. And for example, I scored 100% on being imaginative.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Which translates for me, thinking and acting in eccentric ways.
1: (laughs) Which, I mean, they're so interesting, those, those aspects. So yeah, we do use the Hogan still at the early stages. And it's not the only tool out there, but it is one of those tools that speaks to strengths, it speaks to values, and it also speaks to this idea of, overused strengths that can become derailers in certain situations. And imaginative at 100 (laughs) would be, you know, in certain situations. It's not to say that you would be doing that the whole time, but that would be the risk that you would go on a flight of fancy and leave the earthlings behind. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well believe it or not I happily did that but I translated it into a doctorate which is definitely a little bit ahead of its time I'm um, usually my futurism is usually 3 to 5 years ahead but for me and I'm just going to touch on the ones that were high risk not as you know so I I was able to extract the value and I loved knowing this like I I actually appreciate constructive criticism although um my my skepticism was 87%, which means socially insightful but overly sensitive. I own that. But I really, like the ones that I took away were the ones I wanted to work on. So I had imaginative at 100%, bold at 90%, mischievousness at 100%, diligent at 95% and scepticism at 87%, which means I work from the worst case scenario. Well, I put that to work, around risk management and I was practicing risk management before it even became a designation (laughs) I even started teaching it uh, as soon as it became a designation so um, my work as a risk manager meant that I'm all about uh, awareness plus action equals change but for me the Hogan assessment was um, I can celebrate being imaginative and mischievousness because I can own those things but what I've done is taken the experiences and turning them into wisdom and sharing. So five years later, I, I have the audacity to go and start being a podcast host. <laughs> Literally, only thought of this like ten weeks ago, and said, oh, very naively, you're in good company. <laughs> I'm a verbal processor. I should be a podcaster. What would that look like? And you know, what am I passionate about? And how do I link that? So um, for me, I I think it links very much back to that Hogan assessment and your good coaching around that because I was able to say, well, you know, if I'm going to be a stratospheric thinker, where's the best place to be doing it? Well, a doctorate was a bit of a struggle because it was terribly hard to bring all this creativity down to a flat 120,000 book. (laughs) Um, and now I'm, I'm sort of commercializing that IP in different spaces. And for me, the podcast is a great place to do that because for the first three months, I'm doing the most diverse content I can because I might as well scare away the ones who can't cope and attract the ones who are curious. So it's been a hugely helpful um, assessment that continues to ripple out five years later. Um, so I wanted to just ask you about your Global Talent Builder program. Is Would you like to speak to that, Wendy?
1: Yeah, so Global Talent Builder is is a program that grew out of the executive coaching that I was doing around those six concentric circles. Those six circles are systemic. And what I realized is inevitably, as soon as you start doing any kind of systemic intervention, you start to touch other parts of the system. It's almost, you, you can't not do that. So Global Talent Builder, we realized, and I've, you know, I've developed this in partnership with corporate clients as well, and kind of responding to what was coming up for them. So it was kind of ecologically derived, if you like, this um, program. So essentially it was saying, you know, we know as companies that sending people overseas is a good thing to do, but we've got two problems. We break too many of them and we lose them. And then we've got this other challenge, which is we're really struggling to demonstrate how it's creating value. And that means that every time the CEO is under pressure about the you know the bottom line, he's coming and saying, how can you justify the amount of money we're spending on this? What that meant is that the intervention was not just with regards to coaching the individual, but then it was setting up the HR people to be able to answer this question around, how is this creating value um, for the company? Helping the HR business partners to continue to build a partnership with the individuals who were moving around the world. So it's a development programme as opposed to a coaching programme, and it develops both the person who's moving overseas, the manager and the team around them, and the HR um, people who are supporting all of those. And Global Talent Builder, first of all, helps to reduce the risk that you're going to break somebody when you send them overseas, because it builds in all of those support functions that I described earlier, and it also gets them focused on how am i creating value and what is the evidence that i can capture to then show that to you and by the end of the global talent builder program the individual has created what i call a value map and that value map includes both qualitative and quantitative data so stories uh, anecdotes feedback hard data um you know results and so on and it it gives them an opportunity to share their story with the CHRO or with the you know with the with the member of the board that they've been working with around this is the value that i have created And then to give propositions to the company to say, I think this is valuable in these other ways as well. And can you connect me with people across the organization so we can continue and reinvest this value that has been created? So that's why it's a a generative program, as I kind of mentioned.
0: That sounds brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
1: It's great. It's so satisfying to run as well (laughs) because people do really well. You know, there's this tendency for us to view people who are very senior global leaders as somehow heroes, which they are. But, you know, heroes have always got a vulnerable underbelly. When they're doing these big kind of global leaps, the ways in which they're buffeted and the support systems that are removed for them, it can be very disorientating and disconcerting and yet they can be some of the, you know, they're really sometimes the leaders that we need to carry on in these businesses, you know, the ones that care the most and have the most, you know, the most creative ideas and who are really engaged with the company so that they would put themselves up for this. And so being able to support people who and at some points and it's not uncommon for something to happen in that early stage because it's a highly disruptive transition where those individuals go through an experience that's of essentially saying you know what i don't know why i've done this this is i feel absolutely like a like something happens and something changes and it can feel like a betrayal and to be able to just support them at some of those very vulnerable times and, and get them back on board and then flourishing that's really satisfying <laughs> for me and then to see the outcome at the end of it where that you know they they've just created new knowledge new relationships and then they're really motivated to go back and mentor and share and do that it's just tremendous
0: Wow. And I think this program is going to be an essential game changer at this point because of the pivots, the trends, and the themes that are coming out uh, post-COVID that are hitting your clientele, I'm sure, or that level of clientele. So what are you seeing as the trends and themes you would be thinking for the rest of this year and for 2021?
1: The thing that we are most having to deal with at the moment is... I mean, of course, the amount of uncertainty that there is, um, and that is impacting on, that's impacting on businesses, but it's impacting on those global leaders' lives because, you know, I have people who are in coaching at the moment where in March we anticipated that they would be moving overseas and they are still in a holding pattern somewhere in the world, but they're doing those new jobs, but they don't know when they'll ever be able to arrive. And so what they're trying to do is build impactful, trustful relationships and teams. And they're trying to enact missions from a very remote location. And, and what we've been working on is something called uh, creating connection at a distance. So, you know, again, together generating ideas around what are the ways in which we can do this. And apparently, you know, listening to some of my global mobility uh, colleagues um, this idea of virtual international assignments and virtual international working is is going to be something that just grows and grows. You know, we have maybe at least another year, if not 18 months of hard pandemic to deal with. And um, so anybody who's thinking of a global job move in that time is going to be potentially running up against those challenges, but, you know. As we're dealing with climate change and maybe issues around ecological challenges, that that may continue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd love for you to touch on cross-cultural coaching, or and of course your book, "The Amazing Conversations."
1: Yeah. So, cross-cultural coaching is something in- interesting for me in that. And in fact, it comes into the amazing conversations thing. And also some of the internal family systems work. Um, So, you know, you may have seen that I uh, recently completed my training in internal family systems therapy. All that is about including amazing conversations. It's asking the question, who are the multiple selves that live within us? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who are we in our, in our kind of um, in our multiplicity uh, what are all the possible selves you know who is showing up um and coming through the through the door in a particular interaction so when it comes to cross cultural coaching i mean i don't advertise myself as a cross cultural trainer or a cross cultural coach. The reason for that is I think the the different aspects of ourselves that show up come from so many different places and experiences. And I'd rather work with that level of granularity than what I've seen within cross-cultural coaching. Again, I'm not an expert in that area, which was a little bit more about the broader, maybe stereotypes of how certain cultures show up. I think it's a bit more individual than that. Amazing Conversations came about as a project with a colleague and he'd written this book initially with somebody else where it it was a coaching it was a book in the coaching sector, not a coaching book, but a book for the coaching sector that was um, saying, you know, how do we get two people together in a way to have conversations that are transformational? And what does that mean? And what I realized is, whenever we go into the bubble, which is something a concept that we describe in uh, amazing conversations, we have to be really mindful about who is showing up in that conversation. And and you know, are we bringing cultural baggage with us? Should we leave that outside? And and being really mindful in our conversations. When we do that, we create a much more open space where there can be, where, where there is just a more fluid influence on one another that in itself can be much more transformational, can, be, can, can change me, can change you, and where our defenses kind of, our inner protectors feel less activated. And so more gets through. <laughs> so.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, so Wendy, share about the kind of clients you'd like. You like to work with in the kind of work you'd like to be doing?
1: Yeah, so as we're kind of relaunching Globally Talented now, what I've started to do, what I do now is also work a lot more with my uh, clinical colleagues. So I'm an organizational psychologist, but within the team now, we also have clinical psychologists. And essentially, it's everything around supporting the psychological well being and performance of people with global careers as you've alluded to people are really being challenged in terms of their mental health and well-being Mm. and until it's really hard to build high performance from a foundation that has kind of that's maybe a little bit shaky or has some cracks in it and also the challenges we're experiencing are you know, sometimes they're a little bit traumatizing. We have to say <laughs> so. We just need to look after that a lot more. And um, so when it comes, you know, I work with global companies, and I like working with global companies who care about the people that um who work for them, um, as opposed to are just concerned with how much money those people are making for them. So yeah,
0: yeah, finding that fulcrum point between profit, people, and planet. I really yes. appreciate the work that you do. I'm just going to wrap this up because I'm so grateful for your presence in the world of global leadership. And um, I, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our rich and engaging conversation with the awesome Wendy Kendall and uh, all the learning around her philosophies, wins and lessons learned. Thank you, Wendy.
1: Thanks so much, Michelle. It was a pleasure.
0: As a steward of meaningful leadership in the world and wider cosmos, I have a passion for service through sharing wisdom, strength, and hope. Thank you for the opportunity to foster open conversation, discussions, and an exchange of ideas that create understanding and connection among diverse groups. Your support is valued. Please subscribe, leave a review, and a rating. More importantly, share with your connections. Thank you.